His presence makes all the difference, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. That's what we look for. And uh, good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. The world out there is doing what it's doing, but we're doing what we're doing. We're, we're moving on to Canaan. Amen. I'm happy in the Lord anyway. Let's just sing that if we can. Happy in the Lord anyway. And it really doesn't matter what comes my way today. We, we, I believe the victory's there. Let's Amen. just, let's let our faces and our mouths know it, and we're going to just rejoice and have a good time. Amen. Amen. I just want to make a quick announcement. Um, it's, uh, it feels like it's been forever since we've been hearing about what we can't do and what we are restricted from doing, and we, I just want to say how I appreciate all the effort we've made that you've all made, and how we've been able to still have church. Amen. I'm happy to have church. Amen. I'm happy that we, there's some brothers, they have 10 people in their church. Yeah. There's some people that can't have church, and we can have church. So I'm happy for that. Amen. Nonetheless, the world watches us, and they watch us come in, and they look and say, hey, your parking lot's full. You must have way too many people in there. So no, we'd like to have more. So anyway, we had somebody look in on us and just uh, had another complaint come in, and uh, they, they generally were very happy with what we did the last time, and so they're, we're, we're standing in pretty good favor. Nonetheless, I'm going to ask one thing, and uh, it's not been our typical January. How many are glad for that? <laughs> anyway, um, as you're leaving, please, just for the sake of appearance, try not to stand together, congregate together. Let's, let's try and do what we can. I'll, I'll tell you what, that's the hardest thing for me to say because we, we love to be with each other. We love to fellowship. I mean, I'm yeah. longing just to sit around the table and fellowship with people again. And this, this is one of the few places we can do it. So let's, let's just do what we can. I, I say God bless you all. And uh, it's easy to relax. It's easy to let our guards down. But let's, let's just do that because I'd, I'd like to keep on having church. Amen. Amen. All right, having said that, we're going to just go directly to the Word. I think we've done the singing we've done. Thank you all for, for participating. Thank you to the musicians. I'll have you go to John chapter 17. Last night we had a little time of prayer. If you joined us, I was happy to hear that. I was speaking with uh, Brother Daryl Ward and many believers in many places gathered together. I believe there's an onslaught against the people of God. But if my people will humble themselves and pray... 
And it says, God said, I will, they will hear from heaven and I will heal their lands. Not the world's lands, our lands, that which belongs to us. So I believe that that was necessary and I believe that we need to do that more so as we see the day approaching. Amen. Let's just also continue to remember one another in prayer. I was talking to Brother Ed Semenuk. He's got some needs in his body. My wife has also got some needs. So let's just remember them in prayer. We'll be just going to prayer right now. How many else would just say, Lord, my hand's here. You're the high priest. Amen. My hand is raised as well. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, as we've just come in tonight, and now we're just going to come to the part of the Word, and Lord, we want to just relax ourselves. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to just take this service over into both speaker and hearer. Lord, we're inviting you even now as we just open the pages of the Word. Father, and while we're standing here, the needs are too innumerable to mention. Lord, only you can see and know them all. Father, we remember one another. We love one another. It hurts us to see those that are suffering and that are in pain. Oh God, if it hurts us who have a portion of the Holy Spirit, how much must it hurt you? Father, would you remember your children? Bring faith, bring encouragement, touch their lives, meet their needs. Father, we're here for you. We pray your blessing on the word now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll turn to John chapter 17. John 17, verse 14. Jesus, in his final prayer, really as he's leaving the earth, he's thinking not of himself, he's thinking of us. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We were born here. Some of us were born in different places. I was born in Edmonton. There's some that were born in Saskatchewan, some in different places, some overseas. But this is not our home. Amen. Amen. Let's just go over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We'll read from verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever." When it talks about the world there, it talks about the cosmos, the world order, the world systems. There's things in the world that we love and we enjoy. We love singing and, and we love food and we love coffee and tea and different things. It's not what we're talking about. But it's the world order. It's, it's the rudiments of the world. It's that which is of another kingdom. 
And it says, separate yourself from that. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'm going to invite you now to turn to Revelations chapter 18. I set those two verses up really to bring us to this one. Revelations chapter 18. Verse 1, and after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Can I just say, this is the world around us? Can I say this is the pinnacle of Satan's Eden? Can I say this is what we rub shoulders with? In an unseen realm, we don't see that it's the habitation of devils and every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine and of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice. So this, and you just think about this. All of the kings of the earth are intertwined. All the political systems are intertwined. All the rich men of the world are intertwined. They're partaking of her delicacies. They've gotten rich through this Babylonian system. And it was at that time, and I, I just need you to know this has happened in our day. This has happened through the ministry of the seventh messenger. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Amen. God bless his word tonight. I want to speak on leaving Babylon. Leaving Babylon. I, I'm really probably going to take some of this on the heels of what we spoke on Sunday morning. On God being a jealous God. God desiring a pure people. God desiring a virgin of his word. God desiring a people that are not intertwined with the systems of this world. So I, I, I want you just to stay attention. I'm going to take us in a little bit of time just to take a few things out of the Scripture. I sure couldn't do justice to everything that the subject would need, but I want to do some summary, some Scriptures, and so just stay with me. I, I want to read, first of all, what Brother Branham would speak. And he would say, now, he says... Listen closely. We notice the first time that Babylon, it appears in Genesis in the beginning. 
It also appears in the middle of the Scripture, the Bible, and it appears over in the end of Bible in Revelations. Now, I'm, I'm actually taking some of this out of what I've called the uh, time when Israel is in the Babylonian captivity, and I'm going to come to that. And I, and I really want to draw that as an analogy because history repeats itself, and I want to I come from that place. Now he says, Babylon, he goes on to say, as far as we know, the first time Babylon was mentioned, it was connected with idolatry. The greatest sin that Israel could commit was idolatry or to mix themselves with some other image, be it a graven image, be it, be it a living image, be it any kind of an image, because God alone deserves all the glory. God alone deserves all the worship. And he says, so Babylon was connected with idolatry. And he says, it was called, and he he, he refers to it, Brother Branham does, the gates of paradise or the gates to heaven. That was the first interpretation of Babylon. After that, it was called confusion, and, and he relates it. So I've said that a little bit, but turn with me to Genesis chapter 10. So I don't always go from Genesis to Revelation. Sometimes I go from Revelations to Genesis, which is what we're doing today. So Genesis chapter 10, we'll, we'll start just reading there in verse 1. I just want you to pick up some things. Listen, and we're going to just take this in the Bible. I believe God's Word is, is good. It holds the secrets. Uh, I don't believe we've just gathered here with a dazed look in our eyes. Okay, i got to hang on for an hour or whatever it is, and then we're going to know. We're here because God has revealed truth to us. So Genesis chapter 10, the seed chapter in the Bible. Now these are the generations of the son of Noah. And it says, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. These were the sons that were born after the flood. Now it talks about the sons of Jephthah in verse 2. talks about the sons of Gomer in verse 3. But then it goes all the way down to verse 6. And the sons of Ham. So Ham was one of the sons of Noah, but now... The Bible actually takes time, whereas it didn't take time with the other two sons, but it identifies the sons of Ham, which were Cush and Miriam and Phut and Canaan, and the sons of Cush, and it goes on to develop them. But in verse 8 it says, and Cush begat Nimrod. And it's interesting because out of Nimrod, it starts to deal with the characteristics of one of these sons coming down. And it says, and Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. Now you don't see that happening anywhere else in the Bible, but it did appear in a way when Cain was on the earth. Because there's always twins. There's two seeds that are on the earth. And so Nimrod, so Cain, it was Cain who was actually the founder of civilization. My, oh my, for a moment there I got scared. I'm walking around without a mask. And I said, oh no, it's, it's, it's allowed. Thank you. Wow. I, anyway, I caught myself. Here. <laughs> oh my. Okay. So, but, but Cain, he bore the characteristics. Where did the characteristics came? They came from not just the serpent, but they came from the devil. And I, I don't have the time to get in, but, but it was Cain who was the founder of civilization. Just give me a little bit. I, I feel like I, 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 I can't just 
teach in a quiet voice. I just need to say it as it comes. So, so Cain, it was Cain that began to build cities. It was Cain that began to draw from the resources of the earth. It was Cain that developed a system and developed a, a, a civilization and a foundation whereby there could be something under himself or, or under, under his domain. And in order to do that, he had to conquer other people. Well, you know, God was so fed up with it because after 2,000 years, he had told Noah, separate yourself. I'm going to curse the whole earth. I'm going to wash it off the earth. Come into the flood. Come, come in from the flood into the ark. And he went into the ark. But through the ark came the serpent seed, which was a natural seed. And that, that was, it's being identified by its characteristics here. And so it was... Cush begat Nimrod. He was a mighty one. Verse 9, he was a mighty hunter, it says, before the Lord. Now we think, wow, you know, yeah, well, God was watching everything. I, I, I'm going I'm to read a few quotes, but I, I don't want to spend time laboring on Wherefore it said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Now look at the next verse, verse 10. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Okay, now let, let me just take uh, for a moment because we're talking about the origins of where, where all of this happened. Brother Bram said, if you want to see the crop that's going to come, look at the seed that's planted. So if we think of Babylon through the Bible, Nimrod built Babylon. Nimrod was a son of Ham, which come back from the son of Cain. Watch those seeds. Watch the crop that is growing up. Now, I, I'm saying this, friends, because there, this is natural characteristics, but these characteristics also come, and we were, we were born of a wrong birth, of a long, wrong lineage. If you allow yourself to go in the flesh, you'll naturally want to take dominion. You'll naturally want to take uh, superiority over someone. You'll naturally, it's not in you to be a servant, but by the Spirit of Christ. That is what, what we are a part of, and that's what we continually subject our bodies to. So these characteristics, now Brother Branham would go on and say, now he says, Babylon began in Genesis, ends up in Revelation. It started with Nimrod, and it was the son of Ham through idolatry to bring in idols to worship idols. And it's come right down through, it's so cunning, until it actually comes in the name of Christianity, still idolatry. Now, Brother Bannon would talk about Nimrod. Now, he says, now notice, Nimrod, he went and built this big city of Babylon. He confederated all the rounding cities, and they would all confederate together. And they would be one big city, and that would be Babylon. And the God despised the federation of that world order. Now, that's the same order that actually has gone into denominations. Instead of God being the direct head of a local body, which is still God's plan, and God appointing a God-led man to lead that body. You know, God still wants to be your king. God still wants to have the preeminence in your life. He doesn't want you to go through a system and a hierarchy. But instead of that being, churches began to gather together. Okay, let's come under a head. Let's have an overseer. Let's have a bishop. That was the same system as it was back in Babylon. No wonder God hates that. 
And our brother Adam would say, look at it the same thing today. Confederations of labor. Now he's talking naturally. Men binding themselves together by unions. If you don't see a union happening, there's unions happening all around us. And I'm not just talking you know, the, your, your local union where you work, etc. But it, there's unions that are gathering. And he says, by different fetters and church denomination, he winds them together. He breaks down the barrier. Confederation, one of the great signs God gave in the first destruction, see it appearing in the last. Now, let's just go a little further, if you're still in Genesis chapter 10. Now, let's just drop down to, we said in verse 10 to 12, we recognize the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And out of that land, he went forth Ashur and built Nineveh, goes on. And, and so these are cities that are being built by Nimrod. Okay, so he's building these cities. And then in verse 12, and resin between Nina and Kela, the same is a great city. So all of these things happen. Now, if we just, we could, we could read much of this. And, and you, you, if you read verses 15 and 16, look at some of what comes out of this lineage. There's Canaan. There's the Jebusites. There's the Amorites. There's the Hivites. There's the Archites, the Sinites. You know, and I, I, always, I always thought, well, you know, Abraham went and took this land where all these people peaceably inhabit. But these people were actually out of Cain's lineage, out of Nimrod's lineage. And God says, I'm going to displace them. You're going to take that land. You know, the civilization that this world is built in, we will walk on the ashes of the wicked one day. We will come into power one day. And so it says in verse uh, 19, and from the... From the border, so let's read verse 18. And afterward were the families of the Canaanites spread abroad, and the border of the Canaanite was from Sidon, even as goes unto Greer, unto Gaza, etc. So all of these things were the origins for what happened and started there. Now let's, let's just go a little bit further into chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language, and of one speech, if that's not what it's coming back to again today. But it was forced. It wasn't under the union of God. It was under this foundation of a Babylonian system, a Babylonian hierarchy. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east to a land of Shinar, they said to one another, let us go make brick and burn, the, burn them thoroughly. And they made brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go, let us build a city and a tower. So all of this would be fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But look at the motive. Let us build a city and a tower that we may reach into heaven and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the men, children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have one language. They will begin to do, and they have nothing that will restrain them from which they've imagined to do. So God began to break up this system because he, everything has a time and a season and a place, but he began to break it up. And so he said, let us go down, confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence unto the city of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel. Now, it's not the gate to heaven. That's the name that man gave to it. But the name Babel actually means confusion. It is not the order of God. 
It is the order of man. That's what happened back there. Now the spirit behind all of this has not died. The spirit is alive and well. That spirit exists today. That spirit wants to pervade our midst. That spirit wants to get into my thinking and your thinking. Now, Brother Brandon would say this. Babylon means confusion. It was literally started by Cush, the son of Ham. It brought a kingdom and power and grandeur under his son Nimrod, the mighty hunter. Nimrod, according to the Genesis 11 account and profane history, wanted three things. He wanted to build a strong nation, which he did. He wanted to propagate his own religion, which he did. He wanted to make a name for himself, which he also accomplished. Now, there is the same thing exists today. There is a man who's got a worldwide religion. There's a man who wants to make the name for himself. There's a man who's going to be the Messiah for every political leader. There's a kingdom on the earth today, and it sits on seven hills. And I'll just say, if you're, if you're scared to say it, it, ra- it rhymes with dope. Okay? That's the man's name, in case you don't want to say it. But anyway, so it says, his accomplishments were so monumental that the king of Babylon was called the head of gold in Daniel's vision. Now it says, his religion gained prominence by the fact that that the scripture identifies it with Satan completely in Isaiah chapter 14 and Revelations chapter 18. And by history, we 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 proved that it invaded the whole world. It was the basis for every system of idolatry, the theme of mythology, the name of the gods in various sections of land according to the language of the people. Listen, let, let me just... I, 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 I was just thinking of this as I was in the office and I couldn't search out the scripture, but it was in the time when... The, the message went out, or let me call it, when, when, when the gospel went out first from Jerusalem, there was a persecution. It went into all the world. It went into Rome. There was believers in Rome, but they were separated. The believers were separated, and they couldn't get to the believers in Rome. And when they finally got back to them 13 years later, they were so steeped in idolatry, it didn't even bear a resemblance to the Christian faith anymore. Now don't think for a moment that you or I are any different. This is a strong spirit. This is a spirit that is invading, it is subtle, it invades our thinking, it invades everything. Come out of her, my people. Don't be a partake of her. I, I think in the account that's written in there, it says, Ephraim has turned back to her idols. And it said, this became the monster of Rome. Now, I, 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 there's much I can read. This is in the church age book. I, the church age book's not history. It, it is It is an account of the spirit, the two spirits working in the framework of the Christian church. And what you see in Genesis pops out during the time that Israel is in captivity in Babylon. It pops out when when the message goes, when when Paul, the gospel goes out, and it comes to a head at the end. 
And this is where we are. We're at the end. So I want to just take this a little further. Just drop down to the end of Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. And out of Babylon, in the midst of this pagan idolatry and everything, there's these few verses. These are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abraham, begat Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot, and Haran died before his father Teresh in the land of his nativity in the year of Chaldees, and Abraham and Noah took them wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarah, the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the daughter of Milcah. But Sarah was barren, she had no child. So in the midst of this idolatry, God speaks to one man, and he says, I want you to leave Babylon. I want you to leave everything you've known all your life. I want you to leave what you're comfortable with, what you've known, you've known nothing else, and God put something in that man. And he's known as the father of the faith. And God knew what he put in that man because those characteristics would come out in a seed natural, but they would also come out in a seed spiritual. Because there was a call to leave Babylon back then. There was going to be a call to leave Babylon in the middle of the Bible. And there's a call to leave Babylon at the end of the Bible. And we're under that call. As Abraham left, so am I leaving. Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. And the Lord said to Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Abraham didn't have to make himself a name like Nimrod. Abraham didn't have to make himself a kingdom. God was going to give him a kingdom. God was going to fulfill his desire in a kingdom. We don't have to go and make a name for ourselves. We just need to humble ourselves. We're just sheep. We give our wool. God takes care of us. God bless you for the service on Sunday night, Brother Andrew. He's our shepherd. He's taking care of us. He's dealing with us. He's giving us all he's asking is just give yourself to me. I'll take care of the rest of it. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, let's go to the PowerPoint for a moment. I'm taking just a couple of big leaps here. Okay. This is the Babylonian Empire that existed in the time when Israel. So we're just jumping forward now. There is Israel down there, but the Babylonian Empire covered all of this. It was the major, it was the head of gold that God told Daniel. This, this, was, this was where Israel was, this is where Babylon was. And when Israel disobeyed and God gave them over to their enemies, he sent them into Babylon. He sent them into a place where I'm going to punish you for your sins. We, we've spent time. I'm not going to rehearse this. Just, just jump in with me. And they left behind this. It was a burning, smoldering thing. It was on fire. And as they looked back, the city that was a great city was in ruins. And those were the last images that they saw of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
Many of them would never return again. When they came to Babylon, this is what they saw. City of gold. It was called the city of hanging gardens. The great kingdom of the earth. This was a pinnacle of what Nimrod had achieved. It was lush. It was fertile. To the natural man, you may have thought, hey, this isn't so bad. Wow. To us, we think sometimes, wow, am I ever glad I live in Laodicea? I get to drive a car. I don't have to drive a horse. Uh, I've got an automatic dishwasher. I've got all these things. You know, naturally speaking, yeah, it's great. Spiritually speaking, it's the worst age it's ever. Naturally speaking, Babylon was a great place to be. Naturally speaking. Hanging gardens, water, the Euphrates running right through there. The, the rivers, it was just, just a beautiful, beautiful place. Now, I, I've, I've, I've shown this a few times, and it's just a chronological map of, of, of the whole Bible from Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Joshua, right to the time of the Second Kings. The Chronicles are in here. And at the end of the Second Kings, which also the Chronicles parallel, that's where the lamentations of Jeremiah come in, Jeremiah lamenting where Israel had gone to, the prophet bearing the burden of, of God. And Jeremiah, he's one of the prophets at that time frame. But now they're going into a 70-year exile. And as they go into this exile, there's a couple of prophets that go in. Daniel goes in over into the exile. Ezekiel goes in over into the exile. Daniel was just a young man. He was in the king's court. We'll come back to Daniel yet a little bit from time to time. But as they come out from the exile, there's a, uh, the book of Second Chronicles finishes, but Ezra picks up this 70-year gap, okay? And Ezra is the beginning of the restoration. And there's Ezra, and then there's Nehemiah in there. These are the books that chronicle the restorative period. And in the middle of that, there's the book of Esther, that's in there. So this is a time frame. And then after that, there's very little written in history. There, Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi are all prophets that live in this time. But there's very little history that's written after this. So we go into the next picture. Now, while it may have been great, we know it wasn't great for those that were true Jews at heart. Because there must have been something in Psalms 137. They sat by the river and the captors said to them, Hey, sing us one of those songs that you used to sing. And they would say, How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land? So there must have been something beyond the natural. There had to be something that was deep down within. And they recognized it was part of their sin and their punishment. It was part of what their forefathers did. And they were bearing the burden. And they were sad because of it. So under this return period, there there was the book of Ezra, which is verses 1 to 6. This is, it's, it's a series, it's a time frame, okay? Now, as I didn't realize this wouldn't come out that clear, but from 537 to 516 B.C., now, now if you actually take it and, and you document it, I'll go one more here. 
The time of the uh, 70 years of exile was from 605 to 535, 537. That was the 70 years. But in 537 is when Zerubbabel returns and builds the temple. So this is a period of time that lasts from 37 to 16. It's about 21 years. It didn't happen all at once. But the return was on its way. So, and then there was Ezra, the priest that came, Zerubbabel. Like if you go back to this, Zerubbabel is actually written of in Ezra chapter 1 to 6. Then the book of Esther comes into play. Then there's Ezra chapter 7 to 10, which is the second return under Ezra. And then there's the third return under the book of Nehemiah. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this in a few services, and I'm doing it for a purpose. But I, so just stay with me. History repeats itself. So, so Zerubbabel returns. The temple is built. Ezra returns, and the spiritual law, Ezra's a priest, and he begins to teach the law. The structure had to be in place, but that served as a purpose for the law to come into place. After Ezra, now look at the time frame, from 537 all the way to 516, now it's 458, now it's 445. Look at the time that it takes for this to happen. Now, we, we've in the message, you know, in the message we've talked very often, said, you know, 1963, the word was open, it was all there, it's done, it's, just, leave, just leave the lights for a month. It's all good, it's all there. But the Bible would say in Revelations 10, and time should be finished. It doesn't happen just like that. But there's a restoration that has to take place. It's not just one step. Oh, I got the word, therefore we got everything. No, there's, we're washed daily. We die daily. We're cleaned daily. Babylon is being purged from us daily. And I'll tell you what, God allows Babylon to put some pressure on us. He allows it so that we don't want it. That we don't want its fineries. That it causes us to pray. That it causes us to seek Him. God allows these things so that we don't get too comfortable. Now God could have given us all the word, this is the antidote, this is what's going to happen. Stay safe, do this, you know, just hide in a cave until it all happens and it's over. No, God doesn't reveal the whole secret to us and he only reveals it in power as we have need of it because he wants us to keep going. He doesn't want you to stay and hang on to things. Brother Max, God bless you for your service. We are unpacking. We are leaving Babylon behind. We are not taking it with us. It's staying behind. I burn my bridge. And I take a step forward. And I burn my bridge. And I take a step forward. And I burn my bridge. And I keep moving. I am not staying in Babylon. Now. So. I, I'm not going to get into specifics of the dates. I'm trying to give you a picture of the timeline. Zerubbabel. He was not so much a religious man as he was a man who was a, a worker. He laid the foundation, but he was under an anointing. And, and the 
there was even prophecy written about him under Zerubbabel. So the prophets prophesied. So it, it took many facets to do this restorative work. And it takes many facets in our lives. You know, if, if many of us have grown up in the message. I, I, I'll save it. I've got to save it till I get to it. But Zerubbabel, he was the first step in this. The next was Ezra. Ezra was the priest that, that found the book, found the scroll, read the book, and began to read from the book. And the people gathered around the book. And after Zerubbabel, then there came Nehemiah. Because while the temple was built, the city was still open. The walls were broken. The gates were broken. The enemy could come in every which way. So it had to be restored. It had to be fortified. So it's all part of the plan of God. The prophet brought the word. But it had to come to a ministry that had to preach it to congregations. And families and households had to begin to apply the token. They had to apply it to their homes. This was going to be the restoration that they were under. That's the restoration that we are under. Now, thank you for that. You can turn off the PowerPoint. Turn with me to the book of Daniel chapter 9. Brother Danny, I know you love this book. Daniel chapter 9. So, now let's just take this for a moment. We've caught the scene. Israel is in captivity. Jeremiah has made his lamentations. Ezekiel has prophesied that there'd be a valley of dry bones. Daniel has come forth. He's been in captivity. He's been under four kingdoms. I'm going to pick this up in a successive service. He's been under four kingdoms, but he's under the fourth kingdom. He's been 68 years. And as he's there, the Spirit of God comes on him. So Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. If we can just pick that up. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years, whereof the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So it's wonderful to be an observer. And Daniel is catching this in the 68th year, actually, because it was two years before it actually happened. So two years before it happened, God's moving on him already. And I'm only going to read verse 3, but this whole next thing. And I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I believe we need more sincerity as we see the day approaching. I believe the casual approach to the message is not what's going to see us through. I appreciated the Spirit of God that was wherever you were, wherever you were praying. The brothers that gathered and we prayed together. I think you can all testify that it was very unique. It was a sovereign, it was almost sacred. I almost couldn't pray for myself. All I could do was pray for my brother. 
Pray for my sister. Pray for needs. Friends, this body must come together. This mystical body of Jesus Christ must be an invincible army. And it's not going to happen by just saying, okay, you listen to me. I got, I got, no. It's going to come by just looking God. And by our knees, by our spirit, we're going to come together. And it's going to be shoulder to shoulder, knee to knee, prayer to prayer. That's how we're going to come together. I, I, I almost, I, I, I just shared this with the brothers and, I, and it was just too, too much. I shared that this morning. This is, this is not a man in the message. What the church needs today is not more machinery or new organizations or more novel methods, but men who the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer. When I say men, it means women also. Listen, we say all men, we don't say all women because we're not gender. When we say men, we're not gender-based here. Okay? Thank you. Sister said, Amen. God bless you. So it says, Men who the Holy Ghost can use of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. It does not come through machinery, but on men. It does not anoint plans, but men. Men of prayer. We all need more of that than anything else. Okay, that was my quick infomercial. But that's what Daniel was doing here in Daniel chapter 9. Go back with me to Ezra chapter 1. Ezra is the book right after the Chronicles. If you read the Chronicles and you actually read in verses 22 and 23, it, this is a gap now of almost 70 years from when the Chronicles finished to when Ezra started. And the last two verses of the Chronicles are repeated in the first three verses of Ezra. Word for word almost. So it says in Ezra chapter 1, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jerah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia. And he made a proclamation through all his kingdom, and he put it in writing. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has charged me to build a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And he makes this decree. Who is there among you of all his people? I say this, who is there among you of all his people? Double hands up. And he said, his God be with him. Let him go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and be build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. Now, the door literally was opening. But there were people that had grown up in Babylon. They were comfortable in Babylon. The last images that their forefathers had told them, Babylon is burning. It's in ruins. Why do you want to go back there? Because that's where your inheritance is. But people began to be comfortable. They'd raise children. And children had gotten comfortable with the way of life. You know, they, they, they had their businesses. They had their different things that were going there. You know, they, they may have intermingled with the Babylonians. So there was a natural comfort that existed there. 
Now, I won't get into it to this service, but through the midst of that natural comfort, God had to allow a persecution. He had to allow a man named Haman to rise up. He had to allow Haman to come and make a decree against the Israelites. Because after that decree, it was then that Ezra came forward. Now I'm jumping, I'm not, that's not my whole service today. I, I just want to get a bit of an overview. Jump with me to Ezra. Uh, well, let me just read this. I, I really, I want to just share this because Brother Branham would make mention of this in the church age book. Now, he talks about Israel, and I'm using Israel because we're at Israel. Remember, God is a jealous God. For years I've sat here, and Brother Harold's taught, even, I don't know who just referenced it, about the manna. Brother Andrew, I think you did on Sunday night. The manna was good for one day, except on the sixth day when it was good for two days. You are not to bring the manna into another day. The word for each day is good for that day, but it's not carried over according to man's thinking. There's fresh manna that God gives for every age. And to receive God is to receive the word for his age. So God's a jealous God. Now, Brother Adam would make this statement. When Israel entered into unlawful alliances with the world, formed fellowships by marriage, the day finally came when the world took over and Babylon carried the people of Israel into captivity. So the carrying over was because of what happened back in Samuel's day when they rejected God, their true king, and they took something that was like to the nations around them that had kings. And God hated that, but he gave them over to that. So he said it was, and there was other things that they picked up. Balaam used this tactic. Others used this tactic. And so it says, they went into camp, when they went into captivity, now listen to this, just think about this. When they went into captivity, they had a priesthood, they had a temple, and the word. But when they came back, they had rabbis, they had a theological order of Pharisees, and they had a synagogue and the Talmud. Now, the Talmud is like a commentary on, on the word that they had, the, the Torah. It's, a, it's, it's not the word itself. It's, it's an interpretive order. Now, God, that's what happened when they went into Babylon. That's what happened when they went into captivity. They picked up the Babylonian system. And God had to purge that system completely from them. My goodness, how, how am I ever going to really get into it? They, they, they were entrenched in it. It was the customs. It was their ways. Listen, we are no different. The Gentiles were no different. Brother Branham would talk about the very first age, the Ephesian age. It says they had aspired. They'd reached out. They've gone there. But they lost their fervor. They lost their passion. The cry in the spirit became a form. Oh, God, help us. To keep the cry of the Spirit. They began to get a little formal. The abandonment to God. 
Friends, the props are falling from around us. Don't count on the government to bail us out. Don't count on the world to bail us out. Only God will stand for his people. That's our final defense. Now it said, they demanded a king like the other nations. And when they did that, they rejected God. That's the history of the church. When they think more of confirming to the world instead of conforming to God, it's not long and you see them doing things they used to do and start doing things they wouldn't do initially. Now I can point at all the people, but I can point at myself too. Because I look at where I'm at now two years ago. Two years ago, there was a big movement. There's a brother, he's on YouTube and very much proclamating Tapes only is the only thing that you've got. It, it's not, you know, it's the only pure voice there is. It's just, just this. And I remember I finally couldn't take it and I started responding on, on, a, on, a, on his website and I just, I said, and I, I would respond with quotes and it became argumentative. Okay? I, I did it for a season because the, that was in me. I don't feel to be in that place anymore. I feel I don't need to engage in that anymore. I feel I'm more useful spending my time in study for which is right, or I'm more useful in taking time to pray or taking time to set my face to where I'm going, not what's back there. So there's a, there's a progression that you and I have to go through. And if you're honest with yourself, there's times we've leaned too much on the natural. There's times we've leaned on the fashion of the world. There's times we've leaned on, on, on the argumentative nature of the, inner, of the outer court. We need to move in. We need to move forward. We need to leave Babylon behind us. That's not what we're called to. I, I could read much of this, but I, 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 I'm not going to take the time now. Danny, I, I'm not going to be able to read all of these chapters, but Ezra, under Zerubbabel, Ezra chapter 4, the first thing you find in chapter 4 is there's adversaries. I'm just going to summarize this. There's adversaries. It starts out in verse 1. Verse 3, they come against Zerubbabel, don't, and Zerubbabel says, he perceives the spirit in them. He says, they're telling him, let us help you build. He says, no, you guys got nothing to do with this. You're not even called to this. Abraham called Lot. And if you call somebody, you have to take care of them. But when God calls somebody, God will take care of them. Get them to God. Get them to Christ. Don't get them to just anti-message tabernacle. Get them to Christ. Get your children to Christ. And so... They, verse 5, and they hired counselors against them to frustrate their, surf, their purpose. I, can I just suggest something to you? I, I'm still going to take a few Wednesdays. Read some of this. Take the time to background. And when I preach on it, you're going to think, oh, how does that fit in? Where do, you'll be there. Does that, that sound like a good deal? Okay, how many do I have? I have one over here. One over there, one over there. Okay, I got more than enough. Okay, good. That's a majority. Well, it's a couple of people that kind of like, hmm. Okay, let's just go on. So, so all of this was happening. Ezra chapter 5, verse 1. Actually, in verse 23, if you actually go to the end of chapter 4, it actually says the work of the temple, and the, verse 24, they ceased the work of the, because it actually got back to the king, and it ceased, and there was a time delay. It seemed like nothing was going on. But chapter 5, then the prophets, Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo, prophesied to the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem, and then they, even to them, and rose up Zerubbabel, 
and, and Joshua, the son of Zodak, and they began to build the house of God. So they said, hold on a second. We got to keep going. And God stirred them up by the prophets. And so they began to build. And then others came and said, no, we're building. We're going to keep on going. You know, I, I, I just don't have the time to read all of this. I just see I'm running out of time. And I want to get to something. Ezra chapter 7, you know, goes, goes into now the time when after these things in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, that's when Ezra actually comes in. Now it's a different time. It's a different time pray period. And, and I, I'm going to come back to this, so I'm just not going to take time. So I want to just go for a moment to Nehemiah because after Zerubbabel and after Ezra, which are both in the book of Ezra, then comes Nehemiah, who is a cupbearer. So let's just go to Ezra chapter 1. I know I'm jumping around, but I, 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 I'm trying to give a bit of an overview, and I, I want to just get to something that I, I want to just work with and conclude with today. So Ezra in verse, uh, sorry, Nehemiah in Nehemiah verse 1, verse 3, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left in the captivity that are in the province are in great affliction and approach. The walls of Jerusalem also are broken down, and the gates thereof burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted. Now, Nehemiah was in the king's court serving wine. He was a cupbearer. He had a good position. He had a good job. But yet something was in his heart that identified with home. It didn't identify with the kingdom of Babylon around him. It identified with a place, though it were broken down, it said, my heart, my inheritance is in that place. Friends, there are people in this last day. Brother Doug Baker, he was a, a man who was a bright man. He actually worked in the NAS, uh, in, the, in the rocket program that developed the, 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 the iron shield that Israel has to develop to stop missiles. He, he was just on the verge of a company that was about to uh, break into the market and it was shareholder explosion. He would be a millionaire many times over today and he left it all to go and preach the gospel. And he was in Perry Green's church, and he says, I have a burden to go on the street and preach to drug guys and people. I'm, I'm not going to start. I'm not going to go and start a new church. I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to preach. And his whole church is founded on people that came off the street. Now, that's the same as Nehemiah. That's the same as the Spirit of God in this day. And we have left houses and lands because we're not part of this system. And God calls for separators. Nehemiah prays in verse 5, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, let your, verse 6, let your ears be open unto the prayer of your servant. We have sinned, verse 7, we have dealt very corruptly, we have not kept your commandments. It's not as simple as just leaving things. It's recognizing I'm in the middle of something that is corrupt. And then he says, verse 8, Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest to thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. If you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though you are cast out, though the uttermost part of the heaven, yet I will gather you from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen. Now these, chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people that you have redeemed by thy great power, by thy great hand. So he's not just seeing the negative, he's seeing something positive. 
The same window that Moses looked out and saw mud daubers was the same window Pharaoh looked out and called, Pharaoh called them mud daubers, but Moses saw a people of God. If the Spirit of God is in you, you can't see Laodicea. You can see it for what it is, but you're not as attracted. I, I say by the grace of God, listen, I, I, I don't want to make this gospel that we have simply a, yeah, don't do this and don't do that and you'll be okay. Everything that the kingdom of the enemy has is a perversion of the real. So when you see singing and a beat and rock and roll and, that, and you get caught by that, it came from a real. And I say, Lord, let me catch the real. Let me not dance like the world dance, but let me dance like David danced. You know, I may not be able to sing, but I can dance, and I'm not going to show you now. But he says, you know what, let, let, me, let me catch that. And, and whatever the attraction of Babylon is, and oh, have you got the newest phone version 12 I didn't I didn't mention the particular brand there got that uh, have you got a new phone version oh yeah I'm just waiting for it I can't he's got the newest apps is that what your heart is set on friends these things are dulling they, they mean less and less and less not because we shouldn't do it but because I hear a different sound <laughs> I hear the sound of a city that John saw coming down. I see angels coming. It's caught my heart. It's a part of my life. It's what I am. It's, it's my home that I'm going to. Oh, that ought to be a theme song for us. I keep listening for a different sound. Remember, whatever you're looking at. I, I remember I was a young man and I was battling I was battling the perversion of women in this last day. And I, I try to go and separate. I go camping. I'm by the lake by myself. And I'm just going to read the Bible and pray. Somebody comes and sets up camp. As a guy comes out with a big you know, beard and stuff. And his better half comes out dressed in a bikini. <sighs> Everywhere I looked. And I said, Lord, there's a real... And I went to 2 Peter chapter 3. By this the women of old dressed. This, this was true holiness. And I said, Lord, let me have that picture in front of me. Not the perversion. Not that, but let me have the right picture. Every false picture has a right picture. Remember that. Okay, I, that was just an info break. Don't get involved with the fashions. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. You can read 1 Corinthians 7, 29 to 31. You can read Colossians 2, verse 1. Read verse 8. The battle that's in us, there's other scriptures. I'm not going to get to them. But I, I just want to just listen to this in Jeremiah. So he's saying all of this. Now, jump ahead to Jeremiah 13. Now there's a gap. Jeremiah has gone back to Babylon for business. He's come back, and while he comes back, he finds that while he's gone, they're starting to do other things. So let's, let's just read Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 3. Now it, he, he comes back, and he meets them, and it came to pass in Nehemiah 13 that when they had heard the law, they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. And before this, 
Elisha, the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah, and he prepared for him a great chamber, where aforetime they laid meal offerings and frankincense and vessels and ties of corn, the new wine, which was commanded to be given by the Levites and the singers and the porters. But all of this time was not I in Jerusalem. Now, Jeremiah had the burden for restoration. He had the burden to leave Babylon and come into his inheritance. And I came to Jerusalem and I understood the evil that Elisib did for Tobiah in preparing a chamber. So this is now right in religious worship. Now I'm not going to get this part. I'm just going to do this, but there's actually three or four or five different incidents in here. The Babylonian idolatry had come back with them. Under reformers, it wasn't a true cleansing like it is in a restoration. So under this restoration, only under this restoration could there come a voice, come out of her, my people. Have no part of her delicacies. That's the call that we are under. And I say this, if you're the true virgin bride, there'll have to be a part two to this. Brother John, where are you? Come up here. Musicians, come up with Brother John. I, I was in prayer yesterday, and I was driving home. While I was actually kneeling right there, that's when this title came to me, because I had the thought, says, Lord, what direction do you want this to go? And after I got that title, this song came to me. And I want Brother John to sing this song. And it was written by a believer. Is that all right? Do we have words to this, Brother Dan? Do we have words? Do you know? I put Brother John on the spot. I, I, uh, I just was texting him casually on other business, and then I just dropped in. By the way, do you know this song? Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Got him. Snagged him. Hooked him. <laughs> Good. If, if you're, are you in church tonight by that chance? Yeah, yeah, I am. Just got in at the last minute. Oh, brother, you've just been following the leading of the Lord. <laughs> Let's listen to Brother John sing this. If, you, if we had words, I'd put it up. If we don't, we're, we'll, we'll do it again. If you need more time, I'll, I'll just keep talking here. Sure. <laughs> put my mask on just yet. How many of you can see if you're walking with God that there's been an unpacking? That, that as you listen to the word, not only does it change your thinking, but it changes your desires. The things that you used to desire just begin to fade and fade and fade. I think that's what you ought to look for. Give me a new heart. Give me a new desire. Let, let, me, let me leave everything behind. Whenever you're ready. That's not the song that we want, actually. I, it's a good song, but it's not the one we're going to sing right now. If you're ready. Okay. You can take your mask off now.
Babylon Teaching me her pleasure-driven ways Have some fun Forget about tomorrow, live today Her music and her fashion Her Hollywood and passion can stimulate the flesh just like wine And all the while she pulls us all away From everything divine But I have heard a voice Calling me out of Babylon a higher place There's a mountain I can live upon And I have made my choice Jesus is my joy and liberty Babylon will never Never have its hold on me Babylon The mystery reaches further to the soul Put religion on and never let the spirit have control She stands against revival The truth within the Bible Dividing hungry hearts with chains of fear And somehow makes confusion of the word that God has made so clear Oh, but I've heard a voice Calling me out of Babylon To a higher place There's a mountain I can live upon have made my choice Jesus is my joy and liberty Babylon will never never have its hold on me a mountain I can live upon And I have made my choice Jesus 
is my joy and liberty. Babylon will never, never have its hold on me. say amen to that. Amen. 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 Purge it from us, Lord. He wants nothing. It's come to its pinnacle. Revelation 17. Revelations 18. This is where we're living. But we've heard a voice. Abraham, our father, left Babylon. Those that came out under the years of exile, they left Babylon. Let me just say this. There are some that walked out physically, but their heart was still back there. That'll be another service. There are some that have come under this message, but their heart is still somewhere else. God will not take you in if you still got your heart in the world. That may sound hard, but that's the truth. But I want to give you hope. He gives us grace. He allows a little bit of persecution. He allows you to taste a little bit of the bitterness of Babylon. He doesn't allow you just to see the hanging gardens. He allows you to sit under the tree and, and remember what you used to have. The Ephesian church age, the cry in the spirit, the reaching out, the abandonment to God. Oh, let it come back, oh God, into the church again. Not just a form, but in Him I live and move and have my being. In Him is all. Heaven has come down to a bride in this last age. Brother Dan, you had words to another song up there. I need you to put those words back up. And I think we need to sing this song. I just can't help but think about this song. I think almost every day now. But I'm listening to a different sound. <laughs> Amen. Let's, let's sing it. Brother John, you help us. You hear about the wars. You see famine in the land. There are questions in the children's eyes. Trouble in the east again. The shaking there's no sure place to stand and the mournful sounds are heard throughout the land oh but I keep listening for a different sound 
the sound of the city that John saw coming down, the sound of the bride being united with the groom. I keep listening. 